The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Risk, that's the word for today. Risk, a fact of business life. What is your company doing about it? Are you proactively balancing risk exposure and compliance violations with the big O opportunity? You want to protect the value of your organization. Hey, you've heard of the term GRC? Some people say GRC means governance, risk management, and confusion. Let's see what our experts say today. Dr. Parveen Gupta says, and I quote, Today, nothing is more fundamental to business and more vexing to a company's directors than effective risk governance. A failure in risk oversight could be interpreted by regulators and the courts, and that's key, and the courts, as a breach of fiduciary duty by the board. And our guest, Barry Murphy, has this to say on risk. Good information governance allows companies to get value out of information while minimizing the costs associated with information events like, here's the big L, litigation, or regulation. Fiona Williams also joins us today, and she says, Every organization will face uncertainty and risk. The effectiveness of how you deal with governance, risk, and compliance, and compliance is the correct C for GRC, is what separates the market leaders. And Bruce McQuaig is also on today's panel. Bruce says, Risk management practices are too often failing to meet the value test. Practitioners are looking for all the wrong risks in all the wrong places. Reminds me of an old country western song. So join us for more insights and solutions on today's topic, Risky Business, Time for Governance. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers here on the Business Channel presented by SAP. I'd like to introduce you very briefly to my guests so you can hear their voices. Let me tell you, Parveen P. Gupta, LLB, MBA, PhD, that must be very big on the door, is the professor. Professor and Department Chair of Accounting at Lehigh University in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Parveen is a former U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Academic Accounting Fellow who has contributed to Sarbanes-Oxley Projects. Welcome, Parveen. Say hello. Uh, thank you, Bonnie, for that kind introduction. Very, very glad to have you here. With your permission, I'd like to introduce the second person on our panel, Barry Murphy, a co-founder and principal analyst with the EDJ Group, is a thought leader in information governance. That's why he's here. E-discovery, records management, content, content archiving, and Barry is no stranger to Coffee Break. He's been on before. Welcome back, Barry Murphy. How are you today? I'm good, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Welcome, welcome. Fiona Williams is new to us today. She's a partner at Deloitte and Touche LLP. Fiona has over 26 years of experience in information security consulting, organization and process improvement, information systems auditing, and application design and implementation. To the sole woman on our panel, other than me, the moderator, Fiona, welcome to Coffee Break. How are you today? Hi, Bonnie. I'm great. Thanks for having me today. 
Wonderful. Pleasure. Looking forward to all of your insights and sharing your expertise with our listeners. And Bruce McQuaig, who has two C's in his name and no Q, I have learned my lesson, has all these letters after his name, BCOM, C-A-C-R-M-A-C-C-S-A. He's a Director of Solution Marketing for SAP Governance, Risk, and Compliance Solutions. Before SAP, his roles included VP, Risk, and Compliance with Thomson Reuters, and he was a partner in Car Decisions. Welcome, Bruce McQuaig. How are you today? Uh, good morning, Bonnie. Thanks. Wonderful welcome. One, well, glad to have you here. Okay, let's get down to business here. My goal is to get everybody on the air to talk about these wonderful quotes I read in my intro. So let's start with Parveen Gupta. Today, nothing is more fundamental to business and more vexing to a company's directors than effective risk governance. And you mentioned this could be interpreted by the regulators and the courts, and that's a big scary word to me as a breach of fiduciary duty by the board. Talk to me, Parveen. How big is this? How big is the risk? Uh, this definitely is, is, is a very big risk, but I think uh, it is important for the audience to clearly understand what the word risk governance means here, because I think there's a significant misunderstanding out there on that. And the key aspect of understanding what risk governance is, it essentially includes the assessment, management, and oversight of the risks facing the entire organization's and uh, it includes the decision-making uh, relating uh, to the risks in the company. And uh, if you really step back for a second and think about what governance in general means, mm-hmm. it basically describes uh, structure and processes to make decisions in the best interest of the stakeholders. And I underline the word stakeholder because that is absolutely critical. So that's what it is. Uh, when the board of directors are not executing the proper oversight, they are exposing themselves to enormous amount of risks. Okay. How do you teach this? How do you teach this to your students at Lehigh? Do you put a big capital S on the blackboard and say stakeholders rule? That's where it all ends up? Or how, how do you balance? Who are exactly these stakeholders, Parvin? Well, Tell that's me an excellent question. As a matter Thank of you. fact, on the day one of the class, I spend a lot of time talking about what exactly is a corporation and mm. what is the purpose of the corporation in the larger society. And that's where you start talking about the shareholder perspective and as well as stakeholder perspective. And it really puts uh, everything within the context of the role of this larger entity in the society. And then you start talking about why risk governance is essential, why it is a critical part of the corporate governance. Thank you. And you know what? We're going to come back to you when we get into our roundtable in the next segment and find out a lot more from you and your wisdom. And very interesting that you teach this and see what people are really learning. And as they go forward into the workforce, are they heeding the lessons of the experts? Barry Murphy, it's your turn. Good information governance allows companies to get value out of information while minimizing the costs associated with information events. I'd like you to define that for me. You say like litigation or regulatory requests. So what is an information event, Barry? Well, we deal a lot with companies that are going through e-discovery or electronic discovery, and given the new rules in, in the federal courts that essentially all electronic information is discoverable uh, and that organizations are on the hook for producing it in the event that they get sued or that there's a regulatory request, and the time frame is very fast for which they have to produce it, um, there's a lot of cost associated with that, and, and I've seen companies nearly brought down by the cost of e-discovery, or they settle with someone without looking at the merits of a case. And essentially, they're having a lot of problems 
understanding what kind of information they have, and it's not as if the volume of information that they produce is ever going to go down. And mm-hmm. so I like to think about this in, in terms of the innovator's dilemma a little bit in the sense that some of these solutions that organizations need to deploy or technologies they need to deploy to address information governance are not necessarily the sustaining ones, right? They, they aren't necessarily always going to be high margin, but if they don't do it, they could be the end of these companies. Um, and so at the end of the day, they're still, we're in an information economy. And so putting in place the, the checks and balances to be sure that you can you know, meet the needs of litigation or regulatory requests are going to have the ability to allow an, an organization to get to know their information better and start to leverage it more. And we're seeing this happen in areas like social media where they monitor what's, mm-hmm. what's going on with their brand and then they can make better decisions on what they're doing as a company because they know how they're being perceived in the marketplace and things along those lines. Barry, not to put you on the spot, and I'm going to give you a 10-second answer here, if you could just fill in the blank. What's the a recent high-profile company that had a risk event, an information event that we know about in the news? Anything come to mind right away? BP. Uh, Thank you very the, much. The oil <laughs> okay, good. We're going to move on to Fiona Williams. i got to get her in. Four minutes to go, Fiona. Every organization will face uncertainty and risk. Yes, it is a fact of business life, as I said. The effectiveness of how you deal with GRC is what separates the market leaders. How do you define the market leader in terms of their effective GRC, Fiona? Uh, thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, one of the biggest challenges that we see um, when we survey our clients is really how they understand, um, you know, what their risk efforts are across the organization. And, um, you know, having a unified approach can really help make informed decisions and lead to a high degree of asset protection uh, for the overall organization. But most organizations are developing silos of risk activities, and the silos are really causing inefficiencies within the organization as well as, you know, possibly excessive costs. And so what we've seen with uh, leading organizations who've weathered some of the storms in the financial markets and things that, that we've seen recently, they've um, done so effectively by leveraging a consistent methodology across the organization and leveraging technology that supports that methodology. So that gives them the information that they need to be able to understand what the risks are that they're dealing with and how to manage those risks, what the cost of taking the risk is, or the, mm-hmm. the cost of um, you know, accepting the risk. So that's what we're seeing uh, with our clients in the marketplace today. And, Fiona, would you say this applies to a company of any size, or is this just for the big kids on the block? It's really any size. Uh, you know, even small, fast-growing companies uh, can have risks that they're not aware of. And so regardless of your size um, and or your industry, it's important to understand what your risks are so that you know how to deal with them. Thank you very much. And let's get Bruce McQuiggan on this segment. Bruce, you told me risk management practices are too often failing to meet the value test. And I love this because I want to write a song around it. Practitioners are looking for all the wrong risks at all the wrong places. Bruce McQuigg, talk to me. Well, I have a dog on a half-ton truck, too, but I left that out of that particular quote, <laughs> Bonnie. But I'll just deal with what I gave you. Uh, what we're finding, and I'm not really disagreeing with any of my colleagues on the panel here, but what we're finding is that people are having a difficult time getting management involvement and, and, and making the risk management initiative sustainable. So what we're focusing on is what we call the three value questions, and I'll give you some examples as I talk. I, I spent some time, a number of years, working in an audit capacity in an oil and gas company, and, and the, the basic value of the oil and gas company is in oil and gas reserves. The first question you ask yourself is, what's the fundamental value of your business? And in my case, in the oil and gas business, it was oil and gas reserves. And we found that 
very, very disproportionate amount of our GRC resources were really focused on that fundamental value. Uh, we ask ourselves the question and we advise clients to ask, how is value created or destroyed? And uh, I've been involved with a healthcare organization, a home healthcare organization on a board, and basically from a board perspective, we said the key activities and processes we have to oversee to manage value in this business is case management and vendor management, those two things. And almost none of the other things we do, whether important and critical, none of the other things we do really added value. They might preserve value, but they didn't really cause us to outperform our competitors. And the third one, the third value question is, what are these catastrophic events that are lurking on the horizon or emerging or in the distance that you have to watch out for? And I think they're appropriately rated number three. I, I worked for a, a client in the uh, electrical generation business, and they concluded that their fundamental value was reliability. They concluded that their value-adding processes were generation and distribution. And they looked at the horizon, and they said, what can really come along and cause a catastrophic event? And simply put, among the things that were most obvious were weather, you know, uh, extreme mm, weather events, uh, windstorms, those sorts of things. So those are the things you have to manage. But number three, so we're trying to focus our clients on first identifying risks that answer those three questions. And uh, generally, it's only 20 to 30 percent of the total business activity that, that you're looking at if you focus on those things. And you can look at the other things later, but if you don't answer those three questions and conduct your assessments to answer those questions, you're not going to develop uh, relevant information. Thank you, Bruce McQuaig. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Our topic today, you cannot afford to not listen to the rest of what my guests have to say. We're talking to Dr. Parveen Gupta. Barry Murphy, Fiona Williams, Bruce McQuaig. The topic, risk, GRC, governance, risk management, and some say compliance, some say confusion. Stick around and we'll tell you which one it is. Don't even think of touching that mouse. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com we hear it and read about it every day in the news stock prices plunging home prices receding and unemployment growing how can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy tune in to turning hard times into good times with host jay taylor Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning hard times into good times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Is marketing making us ill? And if it is, how can we heal humanity and the planet by changing the way we sell? This is Lynn Serafin inviting you to join me and a great lineup of thought leaders in business, media, and marketing on The Seven Graces of Marketing, Mondays at 6 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. So let the dialogue begin. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And we're back, and hey, our name of the show is Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm speaking to the Game Changers today on the topic of risk. Let's find out what they're drinking. Dr. Parveen Gupta, what is in your cup today? We're dying to know. I am drinking uh, tea, authentic Lipton India tea, hot tea with cream and sugar. Wow! <laughs> That's tea with cream. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine. <laughs> That's a first on the show. This is our, by the way, this is our 41st episode of the show. Nobody said tea with cream and sugar. I love it. Barry Murphy, what's in your cup today? Well, being a proud Bostonian, I am having Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee with the picture of Fenway Park for its 100-year anniversary on it. Oh, you are so loyal. Such a Boston loyalist. Fiona Williams, I understand you're calling in from California. What are you drinking out there today? Uh, I'm drinking a cup of Starbucks cappuccino with uh, non-fat milk and one sugar in the raw. And uh, proud that Starbucks is one of our clients and uh, proud to support them. Very good. Thank you. We love to have name dropping. Bruce McQuaig, what drinkest thou on this beautiful morning? Well, I'm at, as you know, or as you may know, I'm at a cottage about three hours north of Toronto, and I had to go and buy some coffee for this show, and I have a local <laughs> coffee roaster here called Muskoka Coffee Roasters, and they had two brands. One was Black Bear, and the other one was Howling Wolf. I thought Howling Wolf might be a little inappropriate for a radio show, so I'm drinking Black Bear coffee, and that pretty much describes the coffee. Well, thank you for your PC decision. I think I'm losing you. I think I'm losing Bruce here uh, on your feed. We'll try to get you back. Is he there, All right. Brad? There we go. Now we've got you back. You're coming and going. I appreciate the PC nature of your coffee selection, Bruce. I'm very proud of you. And you could have been drinking the howling, whatever, and we would have been just fine with it. So speaking of howling, let's get back to our topic, risky business governance. Who's doing it? Who should do it? Who should do it more? Et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to kick off this roundtable today with Parveen Gupta. You mentioned to me that there's something called a senior supervisor's report that concluded, and everybody listen up, the root cause of the 2008 global financial crisis was, ready for this, weak risk management and weak risk oversight by a plethora of failed and rescued companies. Parveen, help us start this off and then we'll have everybody jump in. Uh, Absolutely, Bonnie. I think this is, actually there are two reports in this series that have been generated and uh, as a matter of fact, Chairman Bernanke uh, mentions this in one of his speeches also. And uh, the, the key aspect here is the uh, failed banks and the banks that were rescued, they were not really managing uh, the growth of their balance sheet and obviously the uh, liquidity needs. So what happened here was, uh, you know, if in simple terms, uh, everybody was engaged in the securitization, everybody was having a party, and nobody was uh, really watching that when the balance is going to tip over and create the crisis. So uh, once again, we go back to the uh, topic of this uh, show, 
the risk governance was very weak, and that certainly contributed to a lot of the debacles. And as a matter of fact, even if you see the news today, a Peregrine Corporation has filed for the liquidation, which is another MF Global, and you're finding that about $200 million in customer funds are missing. Now, don't tell me that this is not a basic risk in an organization of that type. And obviously, the question you'll ask is, where was the board? How can this happen? We just had the MF Global. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yes, and you're wondering who's watching and who's not watching and why. That's one of the questions I would ask. Uh, Barry Murphy, why don't you jump in on this? And, and I want to ask all my panelists to talk a little bit about a topic I believe Parveen just touched on, culture. How do you make it important to the management? Who, who is the we, – we did a show many months ago on this series. Uh, it was uh, risk management. Who is governing? Who is governing the information? Who is in the governor's mansion? So whose job is this, Barry Murphy? Well, it's, it's across the board. Um, in, in companies we've surveyed, it ranges from the chief legal officer to the CEO to the CIO. Um, and Parveen mentioned oversight and decision-making earlier, and Bruce talked about catastrophic events. And I think the best way for companies to manage that is, is with policy, right? And, and technology plays a role in enforcing policy, but we see the need for very specific policies. So two of the areas where this is coming up frequently is in the bring-your-own-device world and social media. And the National Labor Relations Board is actually weighing in on companies' policies. So, for example, if your company policy is no inappropriate use of Twitter – that's not going to stand up if someone uses Twitter in a way that you deem inappropriate if you fire them because it's, that's not real guidance according to the, to the National Labor Relations Act. What you need to do is say, you know, you cannot use Twitter inappropriately. For example, these would be inappropriate usages, and, and you have to list out, don't give away company secrets, things along those lines. And organizations that, that I've talked to just aren't willing to get granular about policy. They're not sure whose decision it is mm-hmm. to make. Um, they don't understand the teamwork. And frankly, you know, you made the point about culture. Um, mm-hmm. I was listening to um, someone talk about this Peregrine case and how, you know, fraud is always going to be there in perpetuity. It's a question of how organizations are going to police it. Um, and how do you look through all of your information that you have and start to, to look for patterns and for, um, you know, indications that something bad is about to happen? And that's what information governance can do. Um, not necessarily all at once today, you know, give you an infrastructure for, you know, sort of real-time monitoring, but that's starting to happen. Um, and I think companies are just afraid to address it because they don't know how to do it. Thank you, Barry. I want to get Fiona in on this conversation. Fiona, does culture come up in your work at Deloitte & Touche with your many, many clients, uh, the, the concept of who's, who's in charge, whose job is it anyway? Absolutely, Bonnie. Um, you know, we have a, a methodology that we use to help organizations understand where they are in terms of their risk intelligence and the maturity across the organization around how they deal with risk. And, um, you know, our methodology helps organizations build GRC into their actual business processes, so making it part of the fabric of the organization. And that helps organizations define, you know, what their governments, uh, governance requirements are from the highest level of board of directors and then all down into the management teams and then the individual employees who are actually responsible for performing those activities. So that gives visibility across the organization. And as I said, helps to build it into the fabric of the organization. So it's not a, a bolt-on or an add-on, but it's more integrated into your normal business activities. 
and that helps uh, organizations really um, be able to comply with those requirements and not have to add additional costs and, and effort to comply with them. So I think that's Fiona, really what we've done at Deloitte. I want to ask you briefly, Fiona, before we get to Bruce on this, I know he has a lot to say. When you're hiring people at certain levels of management who will be involved in the critical path of information governance, risk management, GRC, whatever you want to call it, whatever's on the door, in other words, the sign on the door, uh, is there a certain background you would expect them to have? Would you, would you interview them and say, hey, we're big on GRC here, what's your, what's your policy, what's your experience? Would you go that granular in terms of hiring or would be something you would inculcate into the company culture? once they're there. What do you think? Well, it, our approach is really to uh, build it into the culture of the organization. And so as we help organizations move along the continuum of risk intelligence and move up that maturity uh, curve, we help them to train their own people into what the requirements are and how to identify risks and how to mitigate them um, rather than trying to you know, bring in an expert that would focus on that solely. So approach, and I think that we're seeing this uh, in the colleges today and, and people that we're recruiting, is there's much more awareness around this, and um, we think that, you know, organizations will try and build it into their uh, training in future and um, make sure that all their employees are more familiar with this area. Good. Uh, Thank Bonnie, you. I was wondering, uh, this is Bonnie, yes. if I, if I yes. could comment uh, one sure. thing on what Fiona said. Yes, go ahead. Uh, yeah, no, I think that the point uh, that Fiona raised that there is an increased sensitivity around it, which certainly is the case in the marketplace, but uh, there is a, another interesting facet of it. And uh, I recently, uh, actually today morning itself, read uh, a news item coming from the AICPA. They had conducted some sort of a study based on this LIBOR scandal, Mm-hmm. Where, by the way, the LIBOR is now spelled as L-I-E-B-O-R. <laughs> <laughs> so, Art imitates a, life. I wanted to uh, just uh, throw something on the uh, uh, into the conversation here, and I, yes, I'd please like to talk about behavior, if I could, instead of just yeah. culture. And in sure. terms of uh, in terms of governance, in terms of the responsibility of the board, I believe it's the board's responsibility to. To, to manage the behavior of the organization and the employees in it. And by behavior, I mean making sure people understand what's important, giving people the knowledge and skills or making people have the knowledge and skills to, to, to act, uh, making sure that the incentive compensation, compensation schemes are incenting the right behaviors and, and not the wrong behaviors. And uh, I think those are very specific things. We talk about culture as some you know, amorphous thing that just happens. I believe it's the job of the board to establish the culture through definitions and, and reinforcements of, of the behaviors that are important, from hiring to compensating to training uh, to communicating and all those sorts of things. And that's very tangible. And, and it that is interesting, Bruce, you say that, because uh, this, this uh, result of the survey that I'm just about to quote here from the AICPA is 62% of the Americans think that the corporate corruption is widespread nationwide, and 75% of the Americans actually think the corruption has increased in the past three years. And many are now starting to take it, and this is what bothers me as a professor, a part mm-hmm. of life. So when you talk about changing the culture, we have an uphill task. You I certainly agree. do. 
Very uh, interesting point. Hey, kids, we're, we're at the end of our first part of the roundtable, so I want you to just all take a deep breath, hold those thoughts. I want to say I love the, the phrase Fiona used a few minutes ago, risk intelligence. I think that's apropos to what we're talking about. When we come back, we'll talk about the culture of LIBOR and how do you get people to buy into what you need for risk management. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We are playing so well in the sandbox today. We love it. Great panel. We'll be right back with lots more. Don't even think of touching that mouse. Right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Tune in for What About Wealth every week to learn the vital answers to your questions about creating wealth, investing it, donating it, and protecting it. Your hosts are Rich Bloomfield and Rick Durfee, who explain the principles that govern wealth in terms you can understand. Building and preserving positive wealth requires correct action, but few people know how wealth really works. Listen every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel and find the answers you need about wealth. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase, an SAP company, offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And, hey, we have an extra coffee break tweet here from the lovely Margot Heiligman, and she says, Risk, it's bigger than you think, and her coffee today is, of course, it's Margot, of course, it's Nespresso Decaffeinato Longo. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Let's get back to our conversation. We're getting very excited here. A lot of energy from my guest, Bruce McQuaig. Where do you want to bring this back into culture, behavior, understanding, accepting? Take me in here, please. Well, I just want to start from the governor's perspective and, and where people are in, in risk management. And um, I, I, our surveys show, and the public information I've read and surveys that have been produced, tend to support the fact that people believe risk management is important. 
that is getting more important and that boards and senior executives uh, are, are being pressured to implement more and better risk management programs. But there seems to be a breakdown someplace. Uh, and the breakdown, I think, is how do you get started? How do you, how do you, how do you get things going? Um, I, I think when we look at the client base and the research we've got so far, including some very recent research we've done privately at SAP, there's a, there's a sticking point. People want it. Uh, the GRC professionals in the organization understand that it's important. There just seems to be some inability to take that next step to, de- to develop relevance. The tools are there. The motivation's there, but there seems to be some, some sticking point uh, to get the information that's required. And the examples that our guests gave this morning, the, the Peregrine example, uh, it is another perfect case in point. That was a, a known situation. That kind of risk could have happened. That, that kind of risk should have been observed and watched over by the board. It just wasn't. Um, so the issue we're finding is that we, we have to give people a starting point, and that, I guess, is part of the reason we're looking at how can we stimulate and what can we use as a catalyst to get it going from our client's perspective, but it's, uh, it's an issue we're trying to resolve. Now, you brought up a C-word, catalyst, but I have a feeling Parveen Gupta wants to go back to GRC and talk about whether the C really is compliance, confusion, control. Where do you see this going? Are we going to move in a new definition direction, Parveen? Uh, thank you, Bonnie. I think the, the problem that I have with this GRC word, the governance and risk are fine because they are very much intertwined. But uh, when the C word is used to refer to compliance, in my opinion, I think we run into an issue. There was a recent study by the Economist Intelligence Unit. It was actually sponsored by KPMG and ACE Group, and they actually found that companies do recognize they need more risk expertise on their boards and the senior management level, but they are reluctant to recruit it. And the reason they are reluctant to recruit it because they are saying too much of the financial resources are already committed to the C-word compliance. So I'm wondering here, sitting and thinking, that uh, are their compliance burdens way too much and which are leading the people to look for the risks in the wrong places? So the important point here is to really pay attention to the C word here, whether it be control, whether it be something else. But I think the compliance really narrows the viewpoint and it defeats the basic purpose of the first two, which is the governance and the risk. Parveen, this this is Barry. I I, I agree with you in theory. Um, I do think that you know only doing things for compliance creates this notion that non-regulated companies don't need to take action. Um, and, but on the other hand, information governance in general is so broad and companies can't wrap their arms around the, the whole of it that being focused on initiatives like managing you know, compliance-related processes does at least give companies a, a way to start out and learn. Because you know, Bruce talked about you know, how do we get companies, you know, to they, they understand the risk, but there's a disconnect. And we deal with a lot of companies that are on the ground and tactically cannot wrap their arms around just, say, e-discovery for litigation, let alone having proactive policies. And, and, and I hate to say it, but the legal, the legal practice is just, it's so far behind the rest of the world in a lot of ways. It evolves much more conservatively, such that companies are, you know, if you talk to certain legal people at, at some companies, They'll say, what do you mean keep information around? I want to get rid of it because I don't want to have to produce it in litigation down the road, completely disconnected from the fact that that information may contain valuable intellectual property. So I think the compliance does give it some focus at least, um, but I agree with you that 
that it might it might be too narrow in the long term. Yeah, I, I think we can make compliance a sub part of the governance, and I think that would elevate this topic discussion to a higher level. Uh, so I, I agree with you that uh, you know you do have to manage those things, but uh, some of the companies just focus too much only on ticking and checking the boxes so that you lose sight of the broader purpose, which is the topic of the conversation today, the board oversight. Mm-hmm. And I, I think want to, to get that point, uh, probably just an anecdote here, I, I just uh, contributed to a chapter on one of the new IIA textbooks, Institute of Internal Audit textbooks, uh, on GRC, and uh, my job is to, to write a chapter on, on the topic of GRC, and I was looking, looking around for compliance frameworks in the world today, and there really aren't any. There's an Australian standard for compliance, uh, and there's the U.S. Federal Sentencing Guidelines, but unlike most other aspects of GRC, there's governance frameworks, there's risk frameworks, compliance is managed very tactically. And I do agree with your point, Parveen, that un- unless we can find a way to manage compliance strategically, it doesn't seem to fit in that in that GRC equation, and maybe that's the gap we have to solve. I want to get Fiona in on this conversation. Fiona, what do you think about the C in GRC, control, confusion, compliance? Where does it belong in your world with your 26 years of experience? Well, what I found about uh, the compliance word is that, um, you know, it's really become a stigma for additional costs in the organization. And, um, you know, the reason for that is because people have had to add a lot of oversight and uh, duplicate uh, processes to make sure that they are in compliance. And as I talked before, you know, our approach is really to build uh, compliance into your organization, into the fabric of the organization, mm-hmm. and move you up the, the curve of, in terms of risk intelligence so it doesn't become an added cost, but that it's actually built into all of your processes. And the methodologies that we use to uh, help our clients with this is to really look at, you know, what are your risks within um, each business process, within each new system that you're implementing, and then how do you build uh, appropriate controls into those processes so that your compliance happens automatically and it doesn't have to be an added uh, cost at the end when you're going back and trying to make sure that you're in compliance with something. And so I think as organizations mature up that continuum, I think that will help to, um, you know, reduce the cost of compliance, get the stigma associated with the compliance word out of um, organizations, and, uh, you know, will help then to make the GRC world uh, more effective and more efficient. Okay, I'm going to pose a question to the entire panel now. You're not expecting this, but just bear with me, please. We have a a vast audience. We have about 25,000 people a month listening to SAP Radio on the business channel. We know they're broad brush all over the map in terms of size of companies, maturity, geography, everywhere. So we want to make sure everybody feels included and addressed in this conversation. So my question to all of you is we must not forget, we mentioned briefly in the beginning, the startup, the, the entrepreneur, the person with a gleam in their eye, as I like to say. They're going to bring to market the new greatest fill-in-the-blank service, product, approach, strategy, whatever. What should they be looking out for to build into their business plan for GRC from the get-go? Let's start with Parveen, since you're the teacher. What do you think? Uh, That's an excellent question, Bonnie. And uh, I was recently in India, and as you know, there's a lot of uh, companies that are starting to emerge, and the uh, capital economy is taking hold there. I was attending a conference there of, as they call it, MSME enterprises, meaning medium, small, and micro enterprises. Ah. And as I was listening to the bankers and other speakers, second item on the to-do list was 
the governance. Because what the governance does, the good governance does is it installs the trust, faith, and confidence when these entrepreneurs are going and seeking to raise capital. Because when you are talking about an economy that is developing and you don't have the good financial reporting systems in place, and if you have a good business plan and you go out there and demonstrate that you are not going to, if I may use the word, steal the money of the capital providers and you demonstrate that through good governance, you are more likely to get funding. So I'm giving you an example right from the field that is uh, of critical importance to the entrepreneurs. Thank you. Let's have Barry Murphy jump in. Entrepreneurial, gleam in the eye, what should they be building in? Thoughts? Well, I I think it's uh, the opportunity for a startup is to really build in the oversight and the policy at the get-go and and Mm -hmm. understand that as they build out systems, for example, you know, if, if they're, you know, starting to use a, a Salesforce automation system, that they address a policy of how they're going to, you know, get that information. If, if there's a catastrophic event, as Bruce had mentioned, which in, in, in many cases is litigation. Um, for a small business, that can be a catastrophic event. So it's essentially mapping out your usage policies for information and, and where you're going to store that information and what you're going to do in the event of needing it um, is something that you can do early on without necessarily the the confusion that would exist at a much larger enterprise. Mm -hmm. I would imagine we talked about culture, we talked about behavior. I would imagine that the leadership in a small startup would say this is going to be our culture when we will build this into everything we do. Therefore, we will guide and control, there's that word again, the behavior of everybody who joins the organization on our way up as we build. Does that make sense? It makes sense. I don't know that it always happens that way, given the, the way information is distributed and how freely it can move, um, and That's how fast true. it moves within uh, within our you know our new digital world. Um, I think it you know for most companies it's an afterthought. So um, uh-huh. we asked, we surveyed a, a bunch of organizations on um, what what do they do when they move information to the cloud, for example. Um, in terms of a policy of how they're going to get at it, should they need it for either compliance or litigation purposes. And over 60% of those companies came back and said, we didn't think about that before we moved our data to the cloud. So it's, it's an afterthought, and I think it's especially an afterthought at a startup who doesn't think about litigation because they haven't had had to think about it yet. And that's why we're here on the show, and that's why we're sharing this great information, and that's why we want them to take their coffee break with us. Fiona Williams, join this conversation, please. What do you think? Advice for a small company, startup? Well, I think that, you know, in a small organization, you really have the opportunity to set the tone at the top and to define, you know, that you're really going to be um, consistent around managing your risk and uh, compliance. I think that the issue that you have is most entrepreneurs really don't have that background, and their focus is really around getting a product to market as fast as possible. And, mm. you know, they'll pay for the consequences later. And so I think it really takes a mind shift around entrepreneurs to think about, you know, if you really want to get to be a large organization and very successful, uh, thinking about what you're going to need to do that, even if it does, uh, you know, slow down to some extent your um, efforts to get your product to market, yeah, even if it does add a little uh, bit more in terms of cost mm-hmm. and overhead, I think it's worth it in the long run because, you know, as we just pointed out, it's easier to get funding and things like that if you're a well-controlled organization. 
There you go. It's just about up to our break time. I want to quickly thank Michael Lortz for tweeting. He says there's a lively discussion going on at Pound Sign SAP Radio. How risky is your business? And he's drinking Stash Earl Grey with honey. Thank you, Michael. Bruce, we'll get to you in the round table at the end called Crystal Ball. Everybody, we're going to wrap up for our third segment here. Going back into risky business government, governance, GRC, whatever you want to call it, the Crystal Ball question is coming up next. I'll be asking my four wonderful guests, what do you see ahead for GRC in the next five years? So hang on to your hats, kids. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand join Rochelle McCrary for the leader and the muse Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success for strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. We have so much to talk about in just a brief amount of time to cover the crystal ball segment. I'm going to start with Bruce McQuaig. Bruce, look ahead five years, if you will, crystal ball, gaze into it and see GRC, risky business. What do you see? Will we be still calling it GRC? Will we still have risky business? Talk to me. Well, we certainly still have, have risky business. I'm not sure if we'll call it GRC. But let me give you an analogy as, as to how I see it. And I, I can recall a couple of years ago or many years ago, I was watching a football game on television. It was called the Fog Bowl couldn't really see what happened. You were kind of relying on the sports announcers to, you know, tell you what happened in the previous play. Uh, and the focus of the whole game was what, what just happened, who did what, where's the team, where's the ball, that sort of thing. And 
to me, that's kind of the state of GRC right now. Uh, I think in the future, we're going to have to expect GRC, if it's to be of use at all, is to not just tell us what happened, but to tell us what happened right now, and to tell us how what happened is going to inform the future. And so I think the the GRC, the future of GRC, whatever we choose to call it, uh, has to be focused on performance, has to be focused on prediction, has to be fo- focused on learning, uh, and has to be focused on increasing business value, and it has to be focused on the future. And uh, I think we have the tools and capability and understanding and, and skills to get to that point. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't take five years. Thank you very much. Good, good points. Let's go to Dr. Parveen Gupta. What do you see as you gaze into that Lehigh University crystal ball, Parveen? Well, uh, I, I completely agree with Bruce, number one, what uh, he's saying with respect to what the future would be uh, or could be. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't know whether we would still be using the term GRC, and my prediction is I don't think we will be using the term GRC. Uh, because many times what you see is these acronyms develop and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they have a life of their own, they have a purpose of their own. But at the end of the day, I conceptualize this as good governance, and obviously I would be happy to include risk governance as part of that also, because to me the larger governance includes that. So my predictions with respect to what might happen five years down the line, besides what I just said, is that I think uh, – in 2017, you know, the board oversight of the risk would be the single most important responsibility of the board of directors of a company. And you may have legal precedence by that time in terms of uh, they being challenged on their fiduciary responsibility, which would truly codify this. Next, what I see is that uh, boards are going to be major demand drivers of the uh, information relating to risk. They may be asking assurance on the residual risk status of their company. They may be asking for all kinds of guarantees from the information providers, such as internal auditors, that uh, assure us as to where are we standing. And finally, uh, you know, people may not like uh, what I'm about to say, but I think there would be more rules coming out of the commission, which is the Securities and Exchange Commission in the U.S., on the disclosures relating to the risk. Because at the end of the day, when you talk about the investors, uh, investors are demanding that uh, let me know what are the clear risks of putting money in your company. And then if you fail, I don't have a problem, but I have a problem if I did not know the risks and then you failed. Okay, I have a quick question to add on, Parveen. The question is, we talked about bring your own device, social media. How does this impact GRC? Very quickly, because I want to get everybody else in. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Social media will create a lot of risks. I agree with what Barry was talking about, and you need to be very careful. My advice to the companies is watch out and have policies on that issue and watch it and control it very closely. Mm -hmm. I think we know there's a very fine dividing line, often invisible, between what people do personally in social media and what gets linked to their reputation at the company. And that's probably, I'm guessing, where a lot of risk will possibly fall through the cracks and widen that crack into a, a chasm. Okay, Fiona Williams, let's weigh in on Crystal Ball 2017. Can you look ahead that far? Thanks, Bunny. Yeah, I would hope that by then, um, you know, this compliance and, and risk won't be sort of an add-on and an afterthought in most organizations and that most of them will be more um, risk intelligent 
and that these activities will just be part of their normal day-to-day business processes. And um, the, the impact of uh, adding additional compliance and control requirements will hopefully have gone away so that they're doing these things without even realizing. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of uh, organizations try to push out some of the compliance activities on mobile devices already so that it just makes it easier for people to accomplish the, the requirements without having to do uh, these onerous and costly activities on top of what they're doing today. Um, we see, you know, a lot more in terms of reporting capabilities in memory computing that will enhance the data that people have to be able to understand what their risks are and, and how they manage those risks. And so, um, you know, as organizations become uh, more effective at managing their data and, and reporting on their data, I think organizations will be able to look at across the entire enterprise, you know, where are their key risks? Um, what are the costs of those risks? Rather than today where they have silos of data, they don't really know where their key risks are and, and how to manage those risks. So that's what we're hoping in the future. Thank you. And I'm thinking about the legal department in large companies. If anybody ever got to the point where they've perfected GRC and they have eliminated risks because everybody is following the good rules and doing it right, what would the legal department do? I'll leave that for another show. Let's turn to Barry Murphy. Crystal Ball, what do you see, Barry Murphy? Well, I see the term GRC slowly getting enveloped into a broader information governance or information management term. Because, frankly, the, the infrastructure that supports the ability to respond to litigation or run compliance processes and even give end user access to information, it's all the same. So as companies start to get smarter about this, they're going to utilize that kind of centralized infrastructure to manage all of their information for all the purposes that they need to. Um, and it's just starting to, to move up the maturity curve a little bit. And I also think what you're going to start to see is a lot more automation uh, around this. So big data will give way to big information. And because, frankly, there's too much information to expect humans to add a whole lot of intelligence to it on their own in a manual way. But mm-hmm. there's a ton of ways to use content analytics to be able to make sense of this, this information. And I think um, Bruce was saying this to start to be predictive. Um, you know, you start to see dashboards in the structured data world. You're going to start to see those in the unstructured data world. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot more automation and a move towards just broad information governance. But it won't the evolution won't be um, overnight. It, it will take the whole five years to, to get to even a, a quarter of the way up the maturity curve. Thank you, Barry. BYOD, what's your thought on that briefly from the risk perspective? How wide open is a company when people start Huge. bringing devices in? Yeah, go ahead. Hugely, talk to me. hugely wide open. And the policy needs to be set around what can they use it for, who is the owner of it, you know, and around bandwidth, around who's paying for it. So it's not just a risk of, you know, someone misusing information, but it's a risk of uh, information loss or intellectual property loss. So it's security, it's, it's litigation, it's, it's everything. So without a policy, a company is in, in a really huge risk hole. Okay, I want to thank my special guests, and I'll name you all in just a second, but I have some predictions to make. Yes, that's what I do at the end of the show. Coffee Break with Game Changers coming up next week, July 18th. Is it really mid-July already? How did that happen? The topic will be open government. How much of a good thing will it be? And Wednesday, July 25th, we're going to revisit a topic we did the day after Valentine's Day. Uh huh. It's called Retailers We Love to Love Part 2, all about the customer experience. How do you treat your customers? 
customer service. How do you treat your customers? And coming up on In the Cloud with Game Changers, tomorrow, July 12th, Social Enterprise, New Business Culture in the Cloud. Next week, Thursday, July 19th, is the cloud for large or small enterprise or both. You won't want to miss that one. Thursday, July 26th, integrating the various clouds, the perfect storm. Shout-outs to Patricia Harris, Joan Sherlock, Malcolm Kimberlin, and the wonderful team at the Business Channel. Go out and become a game changer for your company. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.